Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right. The time has come. Movie franchises. What are we, We're doing top 10, I guess. Yeah. We do 10. All right. Are we starting at 1 or 10? I don't know what's going on right now. It's Star Wars, obviously. Is that number one? Do we put do we put Star Wars as part of this? Do we? I do. Why? Because it's the number one movie franchise for me. I gotta tell you, like I feel like if it was just four, five, and six, great trilogy, a franchise for sure. Number one, easily. But now, some can make the argument it's been polluted. The prequels, the sequels. I'm not talking about pollution and purity and Is it still as good as it once was, given that there's so much more out there? Is it really number one? Yes, it's Mm. number one. Well, I'm going to say that we can agree to agree, disagree. (laughs) Meaning, it doesn't matter what we think. We can put it at number one. I think what's more interesting is every other franchise after it. Yeah, I know. I think that's the interesting part. So... What's it going to be? What what comes after Star Wars? Or what would be number one in a world where Star Wars didn't exist? I have Jurassic Park franchises. I oh, think it's me. good, but for I me. think only the first film is is really like that, that home run. I, well, the other four aren't as great. Diminishing returns, the more you go on. Mm-hmm. I would put Indiana Jones above Jurassic Park. Yeah, another kind of adventure film like that. Yeah, I like you know? Indiana, Indiana Jones I put series. Back to the Future maybe ahead of Indiana Jones. And what about Batman series completely? Yeah, this is a hard one. I mean, Batman is definitely a franchise. They don't all connect. They don't all need to connect. No, they're not completely cohesive. But... I would probably put Batman ahead of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, sure, favorite film. But the Batman franchise as a whole, ahead of Jurassic Park. So Jurassic Park, Batman, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future... Mm. Because I, when I think about things like as a franchise, I think about like how much stuff came out from the movie and how much swag and merchandise. And That's things. probably fair. We should probably talk about you know what consists of a franchise. I mean, a trilogy for sure is is a component, but how much merch is out there? How many ancillary things? I would say Ghostbusters is a franchise. Yes, two films. You know, in the eighties. Well, one was in the nineties, and then there's going to be two films since. But they have. Two animated series that have spun off, of course. A video game is out there. Several yeah. video games, to be honest. So that's a bona fide franchise. Transformers is a franchise. Yes. You know, lots of this stuff. Would you put Transformers in the top ten at all? No, I no, wouldn't. I, I absolutely I, would not. I agree. Not in the not top the, ten. Not in the top ten. It's no. a great franchise. Great franchise. Not top ten. No. No, no. No, I don't think so. Um, 
Yeah, Batman's in there. What then you gotta say, what about Superman? Not for me personally. Oh, do I like the Superman movies more or the Batman movies more? If I had to only pick one, I, I kind of like the Christopher Reeve Superman movies a lot. I oh, I like them too. I love them too, but I, like I, I'm a, a sucker for Batman. Okay, was... James Bond. We're talking 23, 24 films. That's an epic franchise. It is an epic franchise. And it's also, you know, it's pulled in so many other actors. You know what I mean? Because all yeah. the Bonds. But it it's survived just... casting changes. Exactly. That's that's why it makes it a great movie franchise. And you know what the other movie franchise is? And I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. That I think is fantastic. Just because for the way it aged. Not only just for the film. But for what was going on in the world. What was relevant at the time. The Godfather films. Yeah, good good franchise, but again, when we talk about franchises and how much stuff has come out, I don't exactly see a ton of Godfather merch and like... That's because they all sleep with the fishes. Okay, I, there is a video game. Yes, I know. I, th- I think there's been graphic novels. I've I'm, played I'm the not video sure. game. There is stuff out there. I don't want to say there isn't, but I think it's kind of a minor on a franchise. Great trilogy. I Important films. Dude, I got stuck on playing the Godfather video game on, I think it was Xbox. For like, I didn't leave the house for like three weeks one time. And right. there was no quarantine. Right. I was just eating spaghetti in my underwear being Michael Corleone. I, I gotta say, I don't think it's gonna make the top ten. Fine. Not compared to these other ones. Okay. Okay, so on. we got Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future. Batman. Batman. James, Star Wars. James, James Bond. Bond. So James Bond is five. So now we got the top five left. Okay, we kind of said Star Wars is number one, so we got to figure out two through five. Hmm. Do we put is Jaws up there? That I mean, there's a lot of Jaws movies. I don't think. What about Saw? And what about the horror films? Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I would. Friday Thirteenth. I, I I like that. To, to me, I like both those films, but I would put Friday the Thirteenth up there more because he like that franchise even grew more after like Wes Craven's new nightmare and what about like the night of the living dead sort of films all those romero films night of the living dead day of the dead land of the dead this Th- of the those dead. are fair and obviously the There's whole a- romero thing it's hard to say that like romero is a franchise because it's not a whole movie that's like saying no. tarantino is a franchise no. when you it's know what i mean films. certainly great directors and that's a whole another discussion we can have when we build another list oh yes I don't know where those fall in there. I don't know that we can kind of classify that stuff as its own thing. I mean, Of the Dead is a franchise. Sure. Blank of the Dead, Blank of the Dead, but whatever it is, you know. But I don't know. Certainly a huge legacy. What about this? Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. I know. I love both I think of Harry those. Potter is, is in the top five for sure. In, for yeah. me. And for At me, least. it would be, I'd have to combine like the Lord of the Rings films with the Hobbit films that... I agree, Middle Earth. Middle Earth. The Middle Earth franchise. I would say the Middle Earth franchise, because I can't just say it's the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, because I would say the Hobbit. I don't like Lord of the Rings as much as I like the Hobbit movies, and I know I'm in the minority. No, but I I gotta agree with you. I like the Hobbit movies better than the Lord of the Rings movies, okay. too. Always have. Here's another tough one. And this might be tough for you, because you don't have the viewing experience. The Marvel franchise. Because yeah, I haven't seen all of them, right? The MCU. That's that's one kind of franchise because they all crisscross together. Yeah. And again, that's 20 plus films. You know, it rivals Bond mm-hmm. in terms of sheer numbers. I think that's got to be in top five. I mean, it's impressive the sure. amount of films they've made. The, again, the merch, the, the footprint of the franchise. Absolutely. Of course, you know, the Avengers big combination, part one and part two, Infinity War. And no, I forget the name of the second uh, one. but. Oh. 
Yeah, see, that's that's how long. That's how it's much like I've watched it. The power of love of destiny and rubies. Yeah, something. Well, it's the Infinity Gauntlet. I just I know can't remember. Is, I, I know just, the first one was Infinity, Infinity War. War, and then I hang my head in shame. I yeah, me too. Defenders. Me too. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look it up because this is too embarrassing. What has become of me, Avengers? Did you take a blue pill? End game. End game. Yeah, it was the end game for this is the end my friend okay so that's harry potter middle earth franchise avengers that means we need one more something bigger than the marvel what about harry potter oh, it's just said it's in there oh it's in there okay yeah what else is out there this i i know that there's people screaming at their they're screaming Grease, their iPods or whatever. Grease one and Grease two. Grease one and I Grease two. Yeah. I love you. I love you, Neutron Bomb. They're saying Tremors, Tremors. There's so many Tremors, tremors. movies. Oh, what about? Is there something bigger that we're missing? What about like the Evil Dead franchise, like Evil that's Dead one, Evil than, Dead two, Army of Darkness, than, and then they have Ash versus. You are you gonna say saying, the Evil Dead franchise is on par with Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic no, I didn't say it was Universe? On par well, with this it. is saying, what we're looking for. This is what we're looking for. Because we've got them all from 10 all the way to 3. And we've got number 1. We just need that number 2 seed. And I know you're thinking Ninja Turtles live action. I'm not action. thinking Ninja Turtles live action. <laughs> it crossed my mind. And then Turtles in Time popped in there. You're like, eh, can't yeah. do it. But that video game was great on SNES. Yeah. Was that the name of the third one, Turtles? Tur no, that was... Uh, what was the name of the third one where they go to Japan? Japan. Yeah, but... W w it wasn't w called Turtles in Time. It had a different name. Yeah. Turtles in Time was the SNES right, video game. Right, I know. Game. I know. Yeah, because you watch me whoop the kids' butts at it. And see, I know it as Hyperstone Heist because that's the Genesis version. The better version. Suck Extra my levels. Genesis. Oh, my God. Get out of here, Genesis. You get out of here. You can play with my what? Super Nintendo if what? you want. I, I feel like we're missing something. I'm looking around my room to see if there's inspiration in posters, but I've only got Muppets and Tim Burton stuff. Is there any Tim Burton stuff? What about like the merch, like this, the 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 kind of niche that is all Tim Burtony stuff? No, again, we can't pick direct. We maybe next next no, episode I, we'll I, talk I, best directors. Okay. You know, and consider like the overarching run of their careers. Uh, what about Terminator? Yeah, those are a good franchise. Aliens. Aliens are a great franchise. That's pretty good. I, it's okay. First two are good, but then you get into like Prometheus. Prometheus and... They're a little bit harder to chew on. They're a little bit more of a slow burn. Well, the first two are good, and then everything else seems like a really bad rehash. It's like, what's up, Valhalla's Rising? Again. On piano. What do you think? God. The last best movie franchise. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is. I don't want to cheat and go to my phone because I feel like if it's no, if like it's, it's good, it we should, should know organic. it. Yeah, yeah, we should know it. Um, what about Trek? Yeah, I would go with Star Trek. There, the, there's a lot of solid. I don't know if it's number two, but I think it's in the top ten because oh, yeah. there's six with the original cast, and I think there's another six with with the other cast, five at least. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think that's in there. Oh yeah. Oh, that blue pill's kicking in. You're yawning, and now I'm yawning. <laughs> How are we gonna do this movie thing? Like, well, like... I don't know. This was your big idea. Why this genre? Because I said, do you want to talk about movie genre? You said, sure. I'm like, what genre? And you said, science fiction, fantasy. Because this is a movie genre that I like a lot. Now, a lot. Now, okay. So, what? What do you want to talk about? Some movies. Okay, what but why the genre? 
because I enjoy this genre more than like a, it's a good escape for me and a lot of people. You know, okay. I love this genre. It, it, it's enough to take you away, but still kind of keep you grounded. You I am almost totally... already convinced, by the way, mm-hmm. that my interpretation of this genre is going to be much more different than your interpretation of the genre. But I'm also going to predict that we're going to have at least three films in common okay. on our list. Now, I being Mike's 12, 12, it's not 10. Well, that's cheating already. I don't care. I should tell you that mine is 15. Yes. Well, no, I did 10 pure ones. And we didn't say, we, we said film and TV. So I said, I did 10 pure ones. I didn't do any no TV. I and did then all I, film. And then I did two other categories that I thought had elements of sci-fi fantasy, but We're weren't really. We're not talking really, about elements here. But weren't really sci-fi oh. fantasy films first. Hmm. Okay. All right. Bring it on. What okay. do you got? You want me to go first? Yeah. No, you, you go first. No, you I'm, picked. No, I you picked, picked the category, so you bring it. Touch blue, make it true. Go ahead. Go ahead. Howard the Duck. Oh. What? What's Why is this on your list of all-time favorite? Because it's just such a weird, campy, Ducky. sci-fi, weird film where, like... Cleveland? You, yeah, you, like, fought, flies from outer space, like, <laughs> in, like, into Earth. There's, you know, there's a crazy science experiment. There's a guy who's gone nuts. There's there's Favorite there's, moment from it? Hmm. Favorite moment for Howard the Duck. Ah. Is it Crucial Taut? That, no, that's not who. No, that's Crucial Taunt is in Wayne's Cherry World. Bomb. Cherry Bomb, yeah. yeah. I love her bit. I love when he like starts just staying in her apartment. Like it's just like, it's wanna watch Letterman. Come on, Ducky, let's watch Letterman. Yeah, and like they're just like best buds. It's it's so sweet. I love it. Leah Thompson's adorable in that movie. I right? love that she her band plays like in a punk club behind like a cage. Well, because it's like so rough, right? Yeah, something it's like rough that. Rough time. And Tim Robbins, a young Tim Robbins, is their manager. Oh, yeah, he is so young yeah. in that. Oh my god. We'll have no. to see if we can stream that later, just for. Kicks. I used to have it on DVD. God knows where it is now. It's a Marvel character. Did you know that? Yes, I did. And Kevin Smith was starting was writing, and showrunning at one point a new series, but it didn't get picked up. Well, it's a shame, Ducky. Oh my god. What if, do you got? If they were got? to reboot Howard the Duck, you could be what's her name. Leah Thompson? Yeah. No, I'm, what's I'm, her I character? Think, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, it's not Stephanie. Nah. Wow. Oh, you're gonna have, you're looking it up? No, I'm not. I'm not. My, I think my I think Leah Thompson was about 25 in that movie. I'm pretty sure my age ship has sailed. Okay, I'm looking at Leah Thompson, oh, Howard, the Duck. Is it Beverly? Beverly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even get Beverly. that. What I guessed. Yeah, Beverly Switzler. Switzler. Right. And don't you know Ed Gale? Yes. <laughs> What's the story there? Is that why you like it? No, not at all. It's just it's Ed great... Gale's from our hometown. He lives in our hometown from London, Ontario. And he he's here now. Does does he still work in a tattoo store? Isn't that the story you told me? Mm-hmm. Mondo. Oh, cool. Cool. Mondo has been dead for a million years, though. It's not a. There are no tattoo companies right now. I've got, uh, got? Uh, Star got? Trek: The Next Generation. Great film. The 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 reboot, like the new one, or no, Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's a TV series. Oh, the TV series. Seven seasons long, really great, thought pondering questions about humanity and like moral oh, conundrums. TNG, yes. No, no bad cho- or no bad people, just a lot of bad choices sometimes. Worf's birthday, such a good episode. <laughs> Harrison loves it so much. It's it's funny that he he's gravitating towards a little bit of it. 
Now, it is really funny because I'd watch it. Like, he thinks it's, like, a huge... He sees it as a big privilege to, like, stay up late when you're, like, traveling and stuff and watch, like, Star Trek The Next Generation with me and Captain Picard comes on and he's just all excited. It's interesting to see him... He's just at the age he's starting to get into live action stuff. Which is amazing. Yeah, he's he's right on the cusp. Like, 80% animated stuff, 20% live action. Yeah, because we started watching a little bit of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone tonight. and it was like Which he is was, the Sorcerer's Stone for everybody else in America. Yes, so he was just... He was, he was engaged, but he was just, like, waiting for, like, he couldn't believe what was happening. Like, each sequence after each sequence, all the owls, like, on the uncle's car, and then, you know, all the letters coming through the mailbox, and oh, you know, his face. It was, it was funny to watch him. I could hardly watch the movie. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, next on your list. This is no particular order, actually. Yeah, mine aren't really in an order either. I said anything Star Wars, any of the Star Wars films, just there's all of them, in my opinion. So that's such a cop out that you couldn't just pick one. But they're so solid because, like, obviously my favorite one's Jedi, but I, I like. What Jedi? Return of the Jedi. Okay. Obviously, but I love Empire Strikes Back too. Like, I just, I have always been a sucker for, like, A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi and The Empire Strikes Back. Those are will always in that be... order. No, those are just four, always... six, five. No, there will not be the order. I'm just saying I'm a sucker for those three films in general because I just they are my childhood. They're like I grew up with them. I was like I love them. I can watch them anytime. They soothe me. They're no matter where I am or how I'm feeling. I know I can watch those and I'll feel great. But I like a lot of the newer ones too. Like especially the real new ones. Like I, I really like Rise of Skywalker. You know, I, like I really like uh, the La- the Last Jedi, like just good solid movies. Well, I will tell you right now that the next one on my list is the Last Jedi. Boom, baby! It's the only Star Wars film on my list. <laughs> what? Well, you know, do I go with Empire because it's so iconic? But then I thought, you know what? There, I really like Last Jedi a lot, especially now that Rise of Skywalker is here. It really makes Last Jedi stand out it's more. So good. And I know people are listening and say, "Oh, it's garbage." This, that, and the other. And there are one or two weird things that happen in the film, like Leia like flying through space and. Yeah, that's a little bit true. And the whole thing with Snoke is still a little up in the air. But overall, I really like Last Jedi. I like that Luke has fallen from grace. He's, you know, kind of succumbed to his fears that he couldn't do what he thought he was supposed to do. There's a lot to take away that I like. And I like that they kind of try to redeem the prequels a little bit by talking about Darth Plagueis and, and such. Yeah, I have to I have to agree there. I like I love that film. What do you got next? Hmm. What I got for you? So that's one one film, at least, that we have in common. So that's one of the three of my predictions so far. I got Dark City. Ew. Get what? Ew. I really enjoyed that film. Oh, What's yeah. What's wrong with you? Okay, well, why do you love Dark City? Mostly just because of, like, the weirdness and, like, the characters in it. Those, like, just to see what had happened to a city and, like, where it used to be and then how it kind of, like, de-evolved and just got creepy. 
I like to see like the de-evolution, the crumble, those sorts of things. I like to, I like that storyline. So that post-apocalyptic kind of. Yeah, like when I saw it, like welcome, can... welcome to the the chapter called coronavirus before that happens. Jeez Louise, no kidding. So I I enjoyed Dark City. What do you got next on yours? Uh, Starship Troopers. Oh, that's a good film. That's it's a, good a film. solid film. It's, it's definitely... not just a good film. It's a solid film. It's not on my list, but... It, that's your fault and no, not no, mine. No, 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 no. Starship Troopers is great. Would you like to know more? Sure. Give it to me. Did you, That's a joke. Did you understand the joke? No, I didn't. In Starship Troopers, you see all these different ads from the computers. Oh. It's like, do you want to know more? You click to, to know more. Uh, it's just great. It's great satire. You know, an over-violent society. What it means to be a citizen versus a civilian. You know, your rights and your duties and how we're, you know, thrown into these different groups in, in life and how we either defy them or kind of, you know, grow above and beyond them. And how we live in the, you know, military complex of life. I don't know. I just think it's great. I think it's really tongue in cheek, like Oliver yeah, Hogan stuff. Big time. You know, it's it's over the top to make a point of how much excess we surround ourselves with. Constantly, still. Next on your list. Alien. I have aliens on mine. Oh, I didn't know whether which one to put, so I was like, "Oh!" And I love I, this. I, I like the, the second se- one better yeah. than the first one. I always will. But like that series alone is just great. Love it. I love, 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 love it. What do you like about the first one? Since you put the first one on your list, just because it was the first film, just it really scared the crap out of people when it came out. Like it really was, like being stuck in space and you know thinking you're okay aboard this craft and then learning you're stuck on there with something like that's horrifying it just i think the way it it made people feel confined and claustrophobic and uncomfortable when it came out that's why i like that film you know similar ideas and themes to my next film but mm-hmm. like a, a bit of a reversal because you don't initially get that sense of claustrophobia and you know what you're dealing with Mm-hmm. that's ex machina i knew you were gonna say ex machina because i almost put that on my list i'm like no he's gonna put he's that. gonna put it on his and i don't want to talk about it if he's gonna talk about it because he always talks about it no it's just that yeah. go for it <laughs> i just love it because it's that simple three-hander yep. set up three characters isolated situation although it's not painted as you know they're cut off from society it's no. a privilege to go it's not there painted as that at and all. it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity to check something yeah, it's out like almost they treat it and, like winning the lottery and it slowly breaks Crumbles. down yeah i like to watch the breakdown down. too much like jurassic park which mm-hmm. is also on my that's list that's on my list baby okay well that's it's almost three you didn't say aliens you said aliens so i'm gonna say two to three still but jurassic park which is next on my list is all about the oh my god the wonder the surprise on my list too you know, the wonder, the surprise, science actually able to do the impossible mm-hmm. and you get to live through the main character's eyes to see it come to fruition mm-hmm. and see it ultimately fail. Yes. What's, so you had Jurassic Park. What was after Jurassic Park? Predator. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What about Predator gets you? Not on my list. Because well, it's another thing where it's just something where you're, again, isolated, like in a jungle. And, you know, you think you're pretty, you know, butt kicking and everything. But then there's this thing that you can hardly see. So just like Alien. Exactly. But it's... Alien in the jungle. But pretty much. We've got this <laughs> freaking dreadlocks and craziness. And sometimes it shows itself and sometimes it doesn't. And you got Arnold Schwarzenegger, like a MF, like you just kicking. But I also love Terminator for this reason. Terminator. Terminator. The Unstoppable Monster. He's yeah. a great sci-fi movie, Terminator. Yeah. I Terminator's solid. 
Predator's pretty popular. I mean, there's been a ton of spinoffs. Predator 1 and 2, and then you got, like, Alien vs. Predator 1 and 2, yep. and then you got action Predators. Action figures. Uh, we, we even have Predator action figures in this house. Here's some. Yeah, we, we've got... Xenomorphs and stuff. It's a pretty popular franchise. Uh, next on my list is Robocop. Oh, yeah, Robocop's great. It's great sci-fi. Again, so, Paul Verhoeven. So violent. When you're like, I watched this when I was eight years old. I, I like, did. Holy Christ. Like, that scene where Ed 209 just like malfunctions in the boardroom and takes out the guy. They're like, for doesn't, you know, you have 10 seconds to comply. Before I unload like 50 clips on you. It's so like unforgiving. It's amazing. Like, those movies like Starship Troopers, Robocop, Total Recall to a lesser extent. Again, Paul Verhoeven. What about, like, The Fifth Element? Those are movies I never saw Fifth the... Element. Really? I'm trying totally to... over the top. I'm Great trying movie. to make a comment right now. Okay. About the, the, that style of, like, tongue-in-cheek but dry humor. Yeah. That really describes my kind of humor. I think that's me a lot. That Between that and, like, Muppet zaniness, that's, that's that my humor. That is where you are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's definitely your kind of, your brand of silliness. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Next on your list. I got Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, it's a good one. It's I love a, it. I, I gotta be in the right mood to, to watch it. Oh, yeah. I, I never kind of get through it, though. Like you I, said you always fall asleep. I always fall asleep, so I'll, I'll like have to pick it up halfway through to get to the end, or I'll only start from the beginning really? and get a little well, bit Well, I can watch it. Young Richard Dreyfus for forever. I've bought it uh, like on Blu-ray. I've bought it on digital. It's always on Netflix or somewhere streaming. Yeah, somewhere streaming. It's, it's, a, it's a great film. It's a beautiful film. It was Spielberg's passion project. Mm-hmm. It know. was all about love, that movie. It's, that's why I like it so much. It's, it's a good film, and I mean, I, I still think it's one of like... Spielberg's favorites, but it's not one that he always kind of plays the card. Not his go-to. No, yeah, exactly. I agree. He's always like, you know, Schindler's Mm. List, E.T., Jaws. And E.T. was on my list, actually, to be perfectly honest. Oh, yeah? Yep. Not on mine, but similarly, maybe Wally. Oh, my gosh. I almost put that on my list. Oh, I think Wally's a great sci-fi film. And it's so sweet. And just, again, you want to talk about world building and where the world goes and and who the characters are and and how things change. It's a great uh, film about humanity, though, right? And it's so good. Like, you... It's so relatable to children. You I think I think the at. best sci-fi is all about humanity, right? Like I mentioned with Star Trek: Next Gen, you know, what are the decisions that that you're that you're making? What is you know the moral conundrum? And yep. even with all these different monsters like Predator or the Terminator or the Fly, yeah, like fly, another one on my list yep. or an Ex Machina, it's not necessarily about the creature or the monster. It's about how the humans react to it. It is. It's all about reaction. Same with Jurassic Park yeah. in, in that action versus reaction sort of deal. Similarly, rounding out my list, kind of like Wally, is a somewhat, I, I want to say a big film, but it, I guess it really wasn't that big of a film, although it was nominated for Best Screenplay. What? Children of Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, Clive Owen was the lead in it, yeah. and, that, and that's the future where nobody can get pregnant. Yeah, that's a freaking weird And he finds movie. a girl that's pregnant, and he has to get her to basically, like, you know, the resistance, so to speak, and it's like an impossible journey across... England, mm-hmm. evidently, to, to get her to safety. And how far is he going to go for the greater good versus his own well-being? Well, you know, I, needs my, of the many versus the needs, needs of the one. And that's why one of my films that made it, the original version, it's the same sort of idea, utopian sort of society, the original film of The Handmaid's Tale with Robert Duvall. Dystopian. dystopian, rather, yes. Utopian, dystopian, everyone, fruitopia. no. 
Elizabeth McGovern's in that, Robert Duvall's in it, I think Catherine Deneuve plays in it too. It's it's a great film, and now that they've adapted it to that Gotta amazing series with Elizabeth Moss, which is amazing. You, you have to see the original film first. You, I remember reading... I, I kind of want to see the original Westworld as well. Yeah, me too. Then the remake was good. I'm, I remember reading the book, A.M. Maid's Tale, like in English class or something, because I had to. And then seeing the film and just being like, well, that's pretty out there. And then, yeah, the series is great. So, yeah, for that reason, such a great, a cool film. So, remember how I said I've got two subcategories that I yes, didn't put on yes, my main list? they're not quite... Because I didn't think the sci-fi element led... Okay. Like they did for all these other films. Okay. So the first one are comedies with the elements of sci-fi stuff. Sure. And there are listed Bill and Ted. Yep. Back to the Future and Ghostbusters. Oh, those all fit. Yeah. But I sure. wouldn't call them sci-fi no. fantasy no. films first. I, those are those the feel like comedies comedy films. First. Yeah, for and sure. And then drama that mm-hmm. has sci-fi fantasy, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. Yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's a great film. Because it's all about the science technique, but it's really more about the drama and, and the human condition there. And then About Time. Oh, that's, yeah. Where they, Rachel yeah, yeah, McAdams, yeah, Rachel McAdams, and McAdams and and Domino Gleason. Yeah. Bill Nye. Yeah. So th- those are my two film. subcategories. Yeah, he played the dad, Bill Nye. Yeah. It was a good what, film. What else is on your list or did we cover it all? Well, sci-fi, more fantasy stands out first. Like, obviously, The Dark Crystal and those so sorts was on of your things list? for me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. I didn't know if you were going to do, like, a, a separate fantasy genre for another episode. No. No? Well, I guess I won't get to talk about those films. Though. Well, we can do fantasy, fantasy, fantasy mm, it up. Sweet, well, we'll sweet see. We'll see. We'll see. Baby. I don't want to give any, anything away. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Coming soon from Rob McCallum Films, Zero Cool Films presents... Action Figure Adventure. Super Collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of Action Figure's most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. Again, back with the pop culture cosmos with all the time that everybody has right now and that's a lot of time for a lot of people many of them have been getting back into some retro gaming and here to talk about some great retro games some familiar and some not so familiar is a friend of mine it's no ian fine from the hunnic outcasts and noah great to have you back on the show but really what have you been playing that has been for you such a great blast from the past? For the Nintendo. I mean, I could talk about Mario, but I and I know that they're working on some remastered versions of the, you know, for Nintendo 64 and GameCube and Wii to, to, to bring those onto the Switch for the 35th anniversary, and that's great. But I wanted to talk more about the obscure games that nobody really remembers. And the ones that I found to be interesting, actually, you you have games like Wampum, which is kind of this Mario clone, but it's with a Native American riding around throwing his Tommy Hawk. And it's not as stereotypical as you think. I've actually 
founded through um European dealer because there are a lot of European and Japanese cards that I got my hands on. So it's something to consider as well. There's also a game called Sweet Home that was in Japan, but over the years, maybe we find an English translation of it as people were able to take the ROMs and reprogram it and put it in English and sell it as a reproduction cart. This was a survival horror game, which is interesting. And the more you go into it, you're in a haunted house. And if you die, your other uh, comrades will take over, but it's all about who is going to be the last person standing, if anyone at all. There's also Maniac Mansion, which was a LucasArts game that was here in the States. It's a point-and-click adventure. You're going through a haunted house, saving your girlfriend from this meteor that crashed in front of this mad scientist's house. It was also on the earlier computers, the Commodore 64, which I enjoyed, and Amiga. And there is a character that has a pet hamster, and you could put it in the microwave and cook it. If you give it to him, he'll kill you. And, and there, there are different endings for this game. I'm not going to give it away, but there were multiple endings where you could beat the game or everybody would just die and you would start all over. And there were different combinations of what each character could do. So that I found interesting as well. I had also been posting some of my um, Disney Afternoon games and uh, Fox Kids games. The Disney Afternoon Collection, of course, is on the PS4. So you have Darkwing Duck, uh, Chip and Dale, DuckTales, Tailspin. They're great. Uh, DuckTales is your typical run and jump. Uh, Darkwing Duck is a Mega Man 5 clone, which is which is fine. Uh, Tailspin is your third-person shoot-em-up, also a great game. And uh, what else was – oh, yeah, Chippendale, yeah, which is also another run and jump, which is something, again, to behold. And finally, you can't go wrong with Konami at the time, Capcom or Konami, if it wasn't Nintendo. There's a shoot-em-up I've been trying to find for years called Stinger. Very interesting game. It, you're, it's a shoot-em-up, but at the end, you get these different boss fights that you get to. There's a space squid – that you have to shoot off its tentacles and its head. Uh, there's a vacuum. It's, it's a very interesting type of game for the Super Nintendo because that if, was also one of my favorite systems growing up. I can't even begin to say how many games I've had. I think I have more of the Super Nintendo than I do for any other system. Where do I begin with that? If you really want to say goodbye to the sun now, oh god, you, you have games like the Final Fantasy series, you have Final Fantasy Tactics, you have Legend of Zelda, no no doubt about it. And I think what I love about Link to the Past was not only did it go back to the overhead view and have a fresh coat of paint from you know 8-bit to 16-bit. But Link to the Past actually had you go through dimensions from light to dark, which was not bad. Loved it. And the dungeons, th th there was a trick that you could do in Dark World that if you wanted to upgrade your weapons, because there were some fetch quests, there were some interesting ways how you can go about upgrading your, your sword. In fact, you actually had to go on a quest to get your main sword, and then on other quests to... Upgrade and it was very night of the round table King Arthur about how you had to go on a quest and get penance to go into this forest to get your hands on the master sword. Yeah, not, nothing like it. 
And if you did bring back a flute that in the first Zelda game would create a whirlwind and take it to different spots, this one you would go to a town square, use the flute, unlock a duck from a statue, and the duck would take you to different spots to help you get your quest faster or unlock different medallions and use different magics. Great boss fights as well. God, I have so many Super Nintendo games as well, but I'm going to save them for another time because I'm going to just go quickly to Genesis. One of the reasons why I got Genesis was for Ren and Stimpy. Huge Ren and Stimpy fan. Nintendo and Super Nintendo had a plethora of Ren and Stimpy games, but they were all crap. Genesis had... Well, Sega technically had two. They had Quest for the Shaven Yak for the Sega Master System. It was also ported to the Game Gear, but it was pretty much the same game. And for the Genesis, you had Stimpy's Invention. It was a little cleaner, two-person, run-and-jump type of game. You go through five levels to create different things to help Stimpy work on his invention that would take garbage and turn into food. What's great about the game, you can press the select button to switch between Ren and Stimpy, and not only was it jumping and attacking enemies, but each character had their own uh, ways of attacking it. Like, Stimpy could jump enemies with his girth. Ren was known for smacking, so he would smack your enemies. And then there was a little technique that only one could do. Like, Stimpy was known for using his hairballs and coughing on things, and Ren would sometimes just pick up Stimpy's nose and use it to hurl at the enemy. So finally, I'm just going to jump real quick to the PlayStation 1 because there were a lot of games that... Now, in order for me to do the Japanese games, I had to get myself a disc to put into the PlayStation 1 for it to read the Japanese games, or there was a card that you could put on to read the Japanese games. It was a crime that a couple of these games never made it to the States. One for me to translate... I can't really describe it in English. I can search it. It's called Hot-Blooded Family. It's kind of like Final Fight. You fight drug lords, but the difference between this game was that you would go to the fishing pier in Japan and get swallowed alive by a blue whale. And now you're inside a blue whale with the person you were fighting, and you're in the stomach, and you see these mutant crabs with boxing gloves while water is rising. Eventually, the whale would spit you out and you're still fighting on top of the whale and only in japan another game is kind of interesting called rap city a musical adventure i've seen this game i heard it was very easy it takes about 10 hours but i picked it up anyway it's pretty much a tactical role-playing game and the cutscenes they play like a 1980s primetime special not not bad you know, the the, act, the voice actors has some greats of the pipes. It, it pretty much deals with your antagonist and protagonist. They're fighting over Prince D. Our, our heroine wants to find the man of her dreams, but she's actually, she's an orphan, and she's friends with a puppet that will only talk to her. It's a magical puppet, but only they could share a bond to talk. And the puppet pretty much tells her, if you want to find the guy, you can't do it at home. Go out. So she goes out. She sees a dragon. She sees the prince. She wants to save the prince, but the prince saves her. But then he's turned to stone. And now she has to go on a quest to get five heart stones and to kiss him to 
break the spell. But if you can Google her song, like her introduction, it's awesome. And it does play like a 1980s musical. So it was very easy. They ported it to the DS where it's more turn-based because the PlayStation 1 is a tactical game where you have to move your character in different directions. And if you have a short or long-ranged weapon, it's depending on how you stand in front of your enemy or if you have magic where they are in the box or boxes that you could use your weapon. At the time, I didn't like tactical, but after playing something like South Park, Stick of Truth, and Fractured But Whole, I went back to this. It's, it's again, I wish they would make you know more of these games and make them a little longer, but it's definitely worth your time. Well, no, I cannot thank you enough for stopping by to talk some great retro gaming. Looking forward to you checking in over the next few weeks with some more retro gaming thoughts right here on The Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald Glass for coming right back at you here from Lakers Pass Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We want to thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. And this guest once again returns to us. He had such a great time in our previous conversation that he came back. Anytime I can talk NBA draft, it's just a great opportunity indeed. It's the man behind NBA Draft Junkies. You got to go ahead and check out his work today at nbadraftjunkies.com, plus also for detailed breakdowns, you can go ahead to YouTube and check out his YouTube page right there, NBA Draft Junkies. It's Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, thanks again for coming back. Love to spend more time talking about the NBA Draft. Thank you for having me on. It's talking to draft is something I enjoy doing, so today's a good day. I get a chance to talk about something I love, which I'm sure you can relate to. I know one of the things that we didn't touch upon uh, a little bit intentionally on my part, because let's start in it right away with your thoughts on if you're at the back end of that first round, who would you be targeting? Maybe a group of players. Obviously, there's not just one individual at this point. A player that I, I thought that would, he actually kind of reminds me of a younger Jared Dudley is uh, Jordan Wara from uh, Louisville. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. I think that he's a guy that is an ideal complimentary player for for a guy like LeBron or or the Lakers because he can make he can make corner shots, he can make threes, but he also has enough offensive game as to where if there's a hard closeout, he can make a play. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and like I said, he reminds me of Dudley, maybe even body size. Even Dudley back in college, he was. Very good. A lot of people forget how good Jared Dudley was at Boston College. And the war reminds me of Dudley a lot. So and who better to mentor him than, than Jared Dudley? That's true. He's a great pro. Although when he steps out on the court at his age now, uh, his body type, it looks so much vastly different than what it was when he was younger. And he's still able to go out there and give you a few good minutes, take a couple charges and whatnot. 
But yes, his professionalism is one of the reasons why he's still on the team. And uh, I agree with you on that. If he can go ahead and develop like Jared Dudley has in the NBA, that can't be a bad thing at all. Because defensively, and the fact that he is a good three-point shooter, 3 and D is a marketable commodity in the league, no matter if you're going to be a starter or coming off the bench. If you can have a 3 and D ability, you're going to be wanted in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a very high need for guys that can space the floor and that want to play defense. It is, it's interesting because there are guys that, that – probably aren't good one-on-one players. You know, back in the day, you always thought of a great NBA player as a guy that can go out and score and create a shot. And now those guys are falling in the draft because if you're not good enough to be the main option for a team, then as a scorer, I feel like your stock drops and they need guys to play around the guys that they're paying 20, 30, 40 million dollars to. So being a role player is is very lucrative nowadays, especially if you like playing defense. And as you know, numbers mean more now than they ever did. And dealing with all the analysts out there and all the analytics, and you see that people are more interested in the numbers. And if efficiency is something that you bring to the table, efficiency is going to go ahead and win out on the day because as you, as you spoke about, the, the playmakers – that are following the draft or the playmakers that are here in the NBA that can create their own shot, but don't shoot effectively or efficiently. They're not as much beloved as they once were when you and I were younger, nineties, two thousands, whatnot. And uh, I'm going to use the example as far as Allen Iverson, you know, he could put up a lot of shots, get you a lot of points, but people were satisfied because of what they saw in the box score and what he brought to the table. But efficiency-wise, he was not as efficient as you would like him to see. And there was a lot of players who emulated his style. And that style of being able to command the ball but also as well put up a lot of shots is not as revered as it once was in the NBA. Just because you could go ahead and take the basket doesn't mean you could go ahead and be a top-level player in the NBA these days because it's all a lot of it is still based off the numbers at this point in time. I agree totally. I mean, I think a guy like Deion Waiters, even though he was a top five pick, I believe his game was more suited for the 90s where you played isolation basketball. And Deion is tough one-on-one. As far as you need someone to go out and, and get you a bucket, he can do that. But it's the difference between, you know, like in the 90s when they ran isolation basketball to now where It's more focused on spreading the floor, moving the ball, knocking down shots. And I think he'll help the Lakers because they need another secondary playmaker, but he wouldn't have been available like this if it were, you know, 1998 or even like 2003. And he's, he's an example of how the game changed has impacted his, his value around the league. Just keep him away from the gummy bears please. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Definitely. Once again, I'm talking to Rafael Barlow from NBADraftJunkies.com. You got to go ahead and check out his great site today, plus his YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies. It is a must if you want to go ahead for if you're supporting any team and you want to get behind and get down on what's going on with the NBA Draft. You have to go ahead 
go over to YouTube, watch his breakdowns of all the major stars that are coming up there now and in the future. Check it out today, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Well, Raphael, a couple more things I want to go ahead and talk to you about, and, you know, aside from the Lakers, per se, and somebody that they probably will not be interested in, but you never know. If they're like you said, at their level, you know, whenever it hits, it's going to be a big man. If a big man is the best player or best option available for them, that's great. But overall, the need for a big man in the entire draft is not what it once was. When you know you and I were younger, it's gotta be big man, big man, big man, need that seven footer, need that seven footer. Now it's not as clear cut. Obviously, I was talking about the analytics, efficiency, be able to space the floor and all that. That's now, a, uh, you know, in many ways, a requirement for many of these young big men. And I wanted to ask you, when it comes to big men in the draft, uh, James Wiseman still is standing out as a top five, top seven pick, per se. His height, his ability, even though he didn't get to show up much at Memphis, is still very marketable commodity. But overall, what, what big men are still making an impact or can still make an impact in this NBA draft coming up? Well, I like Wiseman. I also like um, Okongwu from USC. I'm really high on him. And it, it's amazing if you think about it that Chino Hills team could have three guys drafted in the top five or six um, with Lonzo, Lamelo, and, and Okongwu. But he's a guy that I'm high on. Um, as far as other big men, that I, I mean, I guess you can consider Obi Toppin. A big, but it's not necessarily like a back-to-the-basket center. But, yeah, there's not a lot of bigs. And and it's it's interesting because some guys may, especially for team need, like I know a lot of teams may not need bigs, but I look at a team like the Lakers. I think it would be wise for them late in the, in the first round if there was a big that they wanted to develop, which the Lakers have drafted very well, in my opinion, the last few years. And if Dwight comes back, and I'm not sure if JaVale is, is, is JaVale on another one-year deal? Yes, JaVale has a one-year option. Okay. And then, of course, DeMarcus Cousins possibly could return to the team. Uh, he's working out at their facility, and he has a good relationship with the team. Uh, you know, he does have the relationship with AD, and the injuries aside may make him come back to the Los Angeles Lakers if he doesn't have a better option. Yeah, I did read about that. And so, I mean, they, they can gamble and take a big late in the draft, and that can be someone that they can develop. Because if you look at the roster, I can't imagine two to three years from now, those three bigs would be on the team. So that could be an area to look into. I agree. I agree with you. And with Dwight Howard, he it's been a, a nice case of him finally figuring out what he needs to do to help a team win. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be a marketable commodity out there. I mean, I could easily see the Golden State Warriors trying to offer him a starting job if he plays that same type of role and being effective there or another team that says, hey, you know what? You did a great job with the Los Angeles Lakers. Hey, we want to go ahead and put you in that same type of position on our team. So it, there could be a little bit of a bidding war and the Lakers would probably have to back out because as you and I remember – he was only given off offer a very small contract, and that was something that was not even not guaranteed until January of this year. So, 
I, I'm not sure if if Dwight would be coming back because the offers might be out there now that everybody seems to be favorited on Dwight Howard's ability once again. But you're right, with JaVale McGee there and possibly DeMarcus Cousins or some other big there, there still is a chance for a big to develop. Like you said before, a year in South Bay. A year in South Bay does not hurt an NBA draft choice. I mean, just because they don't play in the NBA right away doesn't mean that they're not going to be a good player down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I mean, I think that's what the, the G League is is all about. And it gives teams the luxury of developing a guy their way. It could be a guy that may not be high on draft boards who who they say, well, you know what, if he comes out next year, he may be a lottery pick. But if we can get him now, develop him, he could be a role player or he can contribute in a year or two. I mean, I look at, you know, it was a situation like with Capella in Houston with Dwight. He didn't play it very much at all his rookie year. And then he, he stayed in RGV the whole season. And the next year he he, became, he was a starter. Zubac is a guy that, that was that they got late and he ended up being a very productive center. So that would be something I would look for. I like um, Yurtsevin out of Georgetown. He was a guy that was projected to be a high draft pick maybe two or three years ago, but he's still really young, even though I think he's this is like his fourth year, third or fourth year in college basketball. He may only be 20 or 21. He's a guy that I think that, that I would take a gamble on if I'm the Lakers late in the first round. And he did get developed for a year under Patrick Ewing, so that can't be bad because as you and I both know, Patrick Ewing, one thing he does know is is the big man spot. And plus, he has that NBA assistant coach experience, so he knows mm-hmm. what it's like on the NBA as of late. So he could develop that type of player. So yeah, that would be a good choice as well. I, I agree with you on that. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. My friend, before we head on out, you wanted to talk about PlayStation 5 and also the Xbox Series X. PlayStation 5 introduced their new controller it's got a lot of nice features i wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on that first off what are your thoughts on playstation's new and upcoming playstation 5 controller the DualSense controller you know it i'm gonna mirror what a lot of other people are saying out there it looks just like the xbox controller it's almost it's it's pretty crazy like it, it's lost that um that clunky not clunkiness but like that uh how everything's so sharp and curved inward with the PlayStation remotes, it's lost that. And it kind of looks just like an Xbox controller or even like the, you know, the Wii remote, which also, or the Wii control, not Wii, but a switch controller, which also kind of resembled an Xbox remote, but you know, it looks cool. It, it's, it looks sleek. I don't have an issue with it, but I just, you know, there's not, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of creativity went into it, but also, I love the the fun that the internet is having with it. 
Well, I like the fact that it has a mic built in. Now, I don't know how good the mic is because you and I both know yeah. how much I appreciate a good mic. Okay. I have trashed headphone reviews before and headphones because of a bad mic. So, you know, you know me and how I love a good mic. So if it has no. a great mic, I'm going to be all for it. And it still has the headphone jack there. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like how well if the mic's in the controller. How well is that going to pick up your voice and not the sounds around you you know that's why i like about you know like the headsets that you use the headsets that come with the xbox even like the some of the playstation the playstation 4 headsets like i like them because the mouthpiece is right next to your mouth so you're not picking up if you're playing you have a dog running around the background or a kid running around the background it's not picking all of that up it's just and that's something we've talked about before with your you know like when you go to a speaker or when you go to a computer mic it -hmm. will pick up everything yeah well because it's omnidirectional like it'll pick yeah. up everything around you and that's why a lot of people buy the cardioid, yeti, i think right? cardio yeah the yeti usb mics and they have them set to like cardioid and then they'll have them set to omnidirectional or whatever they have it set to but the thing with the yeti the microphone goes all the way around right it's not just aimed specifically in one space so you have it like oh yeah it's such a great uh, microphone and it does it picks up a lot of the uh the tones in your voice but like your kid bursts in and goes i gotta poop it's gonna pick that up immediately it's almost gonna be louder than than you talking right in front of it or somebody like on the zoom meeting that's using the restroom during the zoom meeting right right you know people who uh, do that thing where they have their phones on their ears and they don't think that we can hear them urinating like it's the loudest sound in the room <laughs> like you don't yeah, I, I hear you, my friend. Actually, good at picking that stuff up, but uh, and, and you've heard interviews with several of my guests that use the omnidirectionals, and mm-hmm. you can, if you watch me on camera, you can hear me kind of biting my lip, and you know, I understand that they've got to use whatever they got to use, but those omnidirectionals, they never sound as good, and they just, it's just hard. But yeah, if it, if the mic on the controller is good, that's great. If it's not, then it could be a disaster waiting to happen for PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I do love the fun the internet's been having with it. I love, I love, love, love for the first time Xbox fans have been able to fire back hard at PlayStation. Uh, there was one tweet that I read that said the reason PlayStation remotes don't have letters like all the other remotes do uh, is because PlayStation fans can't read. <laughs> uh, no offense to our, our friends, the Monroys and, and Doug out there. I know you guys love PlayStation. I'm just saying that it's funny it is funny the right i'm trying to be i'm switzerland i'm trying to ride both yeah, I, I like both i like both of them too yeah, you know you I, don't I, you I, don't often say that no well i mean I, right now i have my playstation hooked up i'm playing god of war i'm down i'm doing the preload for uh final fantasy 7 so like i am i do like my playstation i just like how the xbox is a little bit more accessible but you know that's a whole other conversation for another time but you mentioned uh, the Xbox Series X. It had uh, some more stuff to announce as well. Oh, no, no. So it's not the Xbox Series X. Uh, it was an inside Xbox announce uh, stream. So they kind of do, uh, every once in a while, they'll do kind of like what the what Nintendo does with their directs, but they call them inside Xbox. And it's a, it's a live stream that shows like, hey, you know, it's a, here's a couple new trailers for some games. Here's what's coming out to Games Pass this month. And so they had some pretty cool announcements. Remember at E3, they showed Grounded, where you you shrink and you're kind of running around. It's a little survival adventure game that takes place, you know, in in your front lawn. Do you remember that? It's yes. made by Obsidian. So they showed more footage of that. 
that is supposed to be available to play on July 28th through the game game preview. I don't think it's like officially out. And also they announced that the Xbox Series X, like you can play games and store them on any hard drive. You don't have to. There's no like specific Xbox oriented hard drive. You can just go buy like a Western Digital or a Seagate, pop it in there into the backing and just save whatever you want, wherever you want. Um, Good things right there for you. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, it's it's always that's it, nice, right? Like with uh, what, what this is PlayStation, right? You have to have a specifically designed. You have to have a specific hard drive for it. I know Xbox did that for a while, but then they did a patch where you can use regular hard drives now. It um, just makes it easier. I mean, yeah. the more proprietary stuff, it's it's just it's bad. It's bad, and it yeah, just yeah. it's it's not functional for the gamers out there. No, no. And a lot of places don't like sell game accessories anymore, at least not a lot of them. So Microsoft is doing good things. Nintendo's doing good things. We're just uh, waiting for, for PlayStation, you know, to step up a little bit. Well, if the DualSense controller is worth anything, we'll have to wait and see. I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping it makes the PlayStation 5 comparable or competitive with the Xbox Series X when they both come out later this year. I'm looking forward to that. I know supplies will be limited because of what's going on with coronavirus, but I'm looking forward to it, especially when the price gets announced for each. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glasser. That's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself Oh, great. Do you know you could take the Dragon Con report with you wherever you go? Heck, we are even now up on Alexa. Hey, Alexa, play the Dragon Con podcast up on iHeartRadio. Playing the Dragon Con report from iHeartRadio. Playing the latest episode, the 2020 Dragon Con report episode two. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the 2020 Dragon Con Report. Now, how cool is that? Remember, the Dragon Con Report can be found wherever you find podcasts. See you at the show in September. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos, and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.